I knew by faith that God was there because I trusted him and I've had a life experience that tells me he is even though I can't feel him or do the work required to reach out. But at the same time, I wasn't feeling that response, the the reaction or the reassurance that yes, your faith is, is real. And so I just was walking on really blind faith and emotionless faith. Like mm. just, I knew he's there, he has to be there. And I knew I would be okay. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today is an award-winning author, including the Gold in Forward Indies Book of the Year and LDS PMA Praiseworthy's Top Award for Romance. She has more stories circulating in her brain than can possibly be told. She discovered her passion for England while kayaking on the Thames near London as a young teenager. History is her main jam, and her literary heroes include the greats Jane Austen and Charles Dickens. But she has modern sensibilities as well. Six children and an inspiring husband keep her going and make certain she doesn't stay glued to a keyboard or lost in obscure, fascinating details of old castles. Now, she loves to share bits of history that might otherwise be forgotten, whether in Regency England the French Revolution, or colonial America, her romance novels are much like life is supposed to be, full of adventure. I am pleased to present Jen Geigel-Johnson. Jen, are you ready to share your story of hope? I'm so happy to be here. And I do have to say, I could listen to your voice all day long. You have a beautiful <laughs> way of speaking. I could, you're putting, you're just making me all at ease over here. <laughs> oh, well, good. That's the point. It's like we're sitting across the kitchen table having a chat, right? <laughs> Perfect. I love that thought. Excellent. Well, I have to just ask a little bit of a probe into this story of you discovering England kayaking on the Thames. What in the world is that about? Seriously. <laughs> oh, it's just so fun. When my dad worked in a job that transferred him all the time. So I'm one of those people that moved a lot as a kid. And one of the places we got to be for about a year and a half was England outside of London. And they put us up in this rental home that was like, a mini, mini, mini English estate. So it's like a normal size house, but had this yard that backed up to the Thames River. Ooh. And my parents were just fully American, right? I don't think the British neighbors ever kayaked on the Thames, but <laughs> we had canoes and kayaks and like a paddle boat. And we were full on playing in the backyard and we would just lower it into the water. And I, my parents let me just go. I was about 13 or 14. They let me just ride down the river and I would go all the way to the High Wycombe locks. And the locks are a system of, you know, leveling of water. So big boats can come in and out. And I would lift my kayak out and walk, drag it along the grass and put it in past the locks and just keep going. It was beautiful. English countryside is stunning. And I felt like I was on this adventure and I don't know what the wealthy yachts next to my kayak thought of this little girl in this little boat rowing along, but it was really, really beautiful for me. And lots of quiet moments to think about life and just fell in love with England. I, I feel at home there. It feels like a second 
home for me. So I don't, it just happened. <laughs> that is so cool. Is that what then led you to writing and exploring characters and Regency romance? I, yeah, I think so. I felt very, um, I like I could picture the places in my mind when I would read, even though Regencies are written in 18, early 1800s, mm -hmm. I still could picture these estates and these homes. And I was fascinated with the lifestyle. And I read a lot of Jane Austen, who was a contemporary author of the same kind of stuff. So um, I think so. My love of England has kept me in that country almost exclusively. I have a couple visits over to France. I have a Scarlet Pimpernel retelling and I have some which poetry. is excellent by the way i've read oh, that one it's <laughs> one of my favorites i have to say um and then i stop in salzburg for my i wrote a song of salzburg it's a book that goes up into that area of europe but really i stay close to england and i'm sure my roots there my early years kind of influenced that for sure mm. oh my goodness well that is so fun so kind of catch us up on where you are in your life and then how COVID kind of shook things up a bit for you. <laughs> so I do need to say, I know my, what I'm about to say is going to sound probably normal to a lot of people. And in some ways, I guess that's good. We all relate. So I hope that something I say is useful, but it probably won't sound very unique. So, but, <laughs> but I, so what have I been doing? I've been working really hard. So up until, um, early COVID time, I, I, I'm a full-time author. So I spend most of my day writing or marketing or researching or something related to my book job and it's self-inflicted hours. <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, I love it. And I, it does require a lot out of me. I chaired a writing conference here in Texas. I go to multiple writing conferences. I teach workshops and I do multiple things and I love all of it. And I, I crave a really active and healthy lifestyle. Um, along with the things going on at home, I have my six kids and coming and going on missions and all those things. Um, but, you know, then the year 2020 hit mm -hmm. was, or 19, whatever it was, it feels like a blur of years. I, for some reason, got a really hard case of COVID. I believe it was the end of, it was the start of the new Delta thing that was going mm -hmm. on and they never officially diagnosed me with that but i was kind of in the lull in between the two different strands and so they suspect that possibly i had that but i was in the hospital and i just it lingered and lingered and lingered and lingered for months not hospital but my whole illness but what happened was a weird thing with my cortisol so that it it just affected my stress levels and my adrenal function and some health issues that were long term so everyone talks about long term stuff and it was really um tricky because i have found I, and i couldn't keep up my normal pace of things because my i would react with a high stress response that i mm. you know everybody feels stress but this was like i don't know what like stress on steroids really literally probably mm -hmm. on steroids like literally spiked so the smallest things would just feel so hard and like i just had to like I had to push through some book deadlines because the deadlines are deadlines. And I had both my darling daughters get married the same weekend that summer. Oh gosh, and I of course had, you did. <laughs> and I had my son go on a mission three weeks later to Ethiopia and some significant family stuff going on with the with the extended families that I it's just personal stuff. And it was all this everything at once and really really hard to do the normal life and then i had some really 
wonderful but stressful things to accomplish in addition to like my normal 40 hour a week writing stuff that I take on because I loved right so mm -hmm. anyway that was my um an explanation of what I was feeling it was the oddest thing and I'm still dealing with it right now um, not as strongly but it was the oddest thing in the world to just wake up stressed mm. to um, have a normal conversation with someone where I'm feeling perfectly fine and then the tiniest little trigger and all of a sudden I've got tight chest and I can hardly breathe and I'm like <gasps> it's stress like mm -hmm. this hits you and wake up in the middle of the night stressed or you know and I've learned a lot about um, recognizing what's going on inside me, naming it, and then understanding how to break out of those feelings. Because sometimes they're just simply chemically created. And mm -hmm. your mind, though, looks for a reason for you to be having this feeling. Mm -hmm. And so all kinds of stuff. Oh, I'm stressed because of this. But really, you're, I wasn't really stressed because of that. I was stressed because my body is just feeling stressed. So mm -hmm. I, it was interesting, the cycles that your brain does, too. And as I tried to like quiet the mind, it's remarkable to me the things that's that swim back in in like a massive circle of cycle of stress that you your mind just sort of deals with or thinks about that you don't even realize are affecting you and your positivity and your happiness and oh it's tiring even thinking about it <laughs> oh it sounds like it no that that is so interesting because i know that i i had COVID a couple of times and it triggered an inflammatory response in me which it sounds kind of similar in, to your but mine it triggered my chronic migraines and so i totally understand it, it's interesting how COVID kind of hit and miss on different people and it affected some super dramatically and some like not at all you know mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's frustrating that it triggered this stress response in you this fight or flight that you just haven't been able to turn off and that would be so frustrating because i know that I, I deal with anxiety and so what you're describing to me is totally familiar to me and i understand it pretty well you know that racing heart there's times that i'm going to bed and i'm almost asleep and all of a sudden <gasps> it'll hit me and i'm like i'm wide awake with my heart pounding i'm like why am i stressed i shouldn't be stressed <laughs> so i i hear you and i feel you and so i would love to hear i know you mentioned that 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 naming it and trying to do some meditation techniques have been helpful but i'd love to hear the things that you have found helpful to kind of get that stress response to calm down, because I think we live in a world where we're all dealing with constant stress and any tips you can share are most welcome, especially how you involved God in it, because I'm sure there were some lengthy conversations in there <laughs> with God going, hello. <laughs> what is this? What is exactly? Yeah. So, okay. A couple of things. Um, where to start? There's some really fun things I'd love to share. So the, the interesting relationship with God, it was a, a frustrating thing happened. I was in the hospital and you probably remember those of you who had this happen when you have COVID, your brain kind of shuts down. You don't think clearly you have mm. just really a fuzzy, fuzzy brain. I remember them asking me over and over again, what my birthday was. 
And they would say, oh, it's, it's just normal protocol. We're supposed to ask your birthday every time we come in the room. And they were just making me feel better because after I started knowing my birthday, they stopped asking my, 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 my birthday. <laughs> so I, they were just being nice to me, but really and truly, I couldn't remember my birthday. I just, I would say it as a muscle memory reaction to their question. And it was not clear in my mind what my birthday was. So mm. I was having this, this interesting response and I was by myself because they weren't allowing people in with you, of course, when you're mm -hmm. in the hospital with COVID. And therefore they were asking me medical questions, like what should we do now? Or we wanna do this test, or we wanna give you this drug. And I was having to know and respond without knowing, having anyone help me with a fuzzy brain. So mm -hmm. um, the reason I bring this up is because I also felt very far from the spirit. And it was my faith that I knew God was there, but I couldn't really feel him. And I couldn't receive, it takes mental concentration to receive revelation. That's like truth or thought. Mm -hmm. um, and that concentration wasn't there. And so I would, I remember texting my husband being like, I can't, I have no gut feeling here. I have no inspiration that I'm recognizing and I can't focus enough to really pray long prayers. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. like, so here's what you need to do. You know, kind of like, can you be my prayer? Can you help mm -hmm. receive this revelation for me? So my relationship with God was interesting during that time. And I have heard that people with depression and anxiety have a hard time understanding or feeling the spirit kind of consistently. Um, mm -hmm. And so I have, I have a lot of empathy for that, um, understanding how lost I felt and lonely. And, um, when that helped, I felt, I knew by faith that God was there because I trusted him. And I've had a life experience that tells me he is, even though I can't feel him or do the work required to reach out. But at the same time, I wasn't feeling that response, the, the reaction or the reassurance that yes, your faith is, is real. And so I just was walking on really blind faith and emotionless faith. Like mm. just, I knew he's there. He has to be there. And I knew I would be okay. So there were a couple of things that were helping me, but so, but after that experience where I felt really far away ish, you know, emotion wise, mm -hmm. I then um, turned back to him and he found, you know, was able to function more normally when my brain started to work better. And through those times, I basically just, basically just said, please carry me, especially through the weddings. I, I remember mm -hmm. asking my extended family, my brothers, my sisters, my parents, okay, everybody pray, but I just have that, that bubble of happiness that, you know, responds politely to people that handles emergencies. You know, <clears throat> when your daughters get married, they look to their mom to smooth things over. A mom at a wedding is the invisible proactive device. I don't know what else to call it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, she's just back there putting out all kinds of fires and smoothing things over. And so I felt direct response to those prayers. And I had my cute nieces and nephews telling me they're praying for me. And I had all that, I call it the bubble of the spirit that just shields you from some of the sharper things that might be coming. And I was able to respond and function and meet book deadlines and all those things, because I just basically said, I, I have these things that have to be done. I care a lot about all of them and I am unable to do it. And, you know, this is where I just need someone to help and step in. So Heavenly Father did as he does. And I was so grateful. Um, the, the weddings went great. And I was gifted with a revelation 
that just focus on the joy. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to see. And this, this has carried over through the rest of my life living. There's a lot to see everything around you that you can pick and choose what your focus is. And with a wedding, just like life, there's crazy things that happen. There's emergencies, there's people upset, there's contention, there's stress, but there's so much joy. And the, the revelation I received was just focus on the joy. And I realized, you know, they're going to get married. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the only thing I care about here. Mm -hmm. And there was so much joy, the little things didn't matter that, you know, it was just everything else just fell away. And that is a, just a life lesson that I've carried. I just, one of the, you know, as you're one thing I'll talk about too, if you're, if you're interested in these tips and tricks is mm -hmm. it's just a lot about thought control as well. There's not much you can do about body chemistry besides the health things that you need mm -hmm. to do to make yourself healthy. Um, but while working on the physical side of you, the mental side can really help counteract some of this stuff. And one of them is, you know, positive mantras, positive focuses, a positive shift. And one of mine now, because of my experience with the weddings is just focus on the joy. There is joy everywhere. And it's, um, a gift and it's also, um, a right in a way we, we, we get consequences for actions and some of them are there waiting to be utilized and maybe we haven't noticed them or, or keyed in or welcomed them, but joy is available. And it's, it's one of those things that we should just grasp onto. So mm -hmm. that's one of my mantras, but anyway, long answer to your short question, God has played a huge role and he still is. And I feel like, um, as a very independently minded person, sometimes we get placed in situations where, you can't do it on your own. And mm. it's a great life lesson that that's when you reach out and understand. And I think God approaches us in the ways that we most can relate to and understand. So he knows I'm independently minded. So often he'll give me my to-do list or my, my directional point. Um, mm -hmm. as well as I always need like the cozy, warm blanket feel too. So I feel like I'm still here. I love you. And this is what you need to do. And I'm comfortable with that. And he knows that. And we, we just have worked out this good little way of being not that it's perfect. And I, you know, fail sometimes in my relationship with God, but I feel like that way in that way, he's, he's kind of found the way to reach me. And I think that's what he does. Um, he doesn't give up and he keeps trying and he finds whatever way works with us to kind of help us anyway. So that's what he did through COVID. I think he just reminded me I'm here, even though you can't feel me when I knew nothing, I just knew mm -hmm. by faith he was there. And then he's kind of eased me along as I try to recover uh, through this. But in some ways I feel a little sheepish because I do know how many people have, have experienced way more than this through COVID. They've mm -hmm. lost loved ones and they've had um, debilitating hospital stays and total life change where they no longer can work. And my schedule's just been cut way back so, so the, I mean, the next thing I was going to mention is um, there's no need to plow through everything that you had planned when you're hit by something that's um, making it really hard. Some, I had to get through the book deadlines. I obviously wanted to help my daughters get married and send mm -hmm. my son off on a mission. But after that, um, I can cut back and choose, you know, where I'm able, you know, which, which things I want to tackle and which things I don't. And this is where meditation comes in a little bit. 
I feel like meditation and prayer and scripture study all serve the same purpose. And I feel like there's a lot you can learn and they do the same thing to your brain also. Um, but one earlier this week, I was doing a, a five minute little meditation thing. Cause I, I'm not very good at meditation. I know some people do it for a long 30 minutes or something, uh -huh. but I can just do about five. And then my brain starts to go, you have so much to do right now. <laughs> like, what are you here? So I fail a little in meditation, but, but this is what I learned in my, in my five minute one I did this week. Um, it's just one of those things where you focus on your breathing and you, um, you calm every, you know, you calm your body and you focus on your breathing and it just quiets the mind. And when I do that, I always have, like I was saying, there's these circling thoughts. One just races in something I'm worried about. And I realized, oh yeah, I am worried about that. Yep. It's been bugging me. Yep. Oh, here's another one. And it's really, really, it's revealing the, the thoughts that try to enter a quiet space in your mind. You realize which ones are repetitive and which ones you don't need to worry about so much anymore. And so they would come in and I would, you know, try to quiet my brain and just say, nope, I'm only thinking about breathing right now. And I do, you know, this five minute meditation. Well, a part of the meditation, once you you're breathing for a minute, um, asks you to remember a time that day where you felt that joy. And I don't know, remember what word the meditation used, but in my head, it was that joyful feeling or that happy feeling that you want to be in your life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was expecting, cause I was in a work-minded mode. I was expecting to think about a book launch or a good review or a fun release. And it was just my kids. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, ah, I don't want to cry about it, but I remember just a thought about my daughter's really happy face. And when I had done something really fun for my son and I had met their needs in a joyful way. And it was very moving and cool for me to remember some of my greatest joys are my children and they're right here and they're growing up. I only have, soon I will have two children of my six living with me instead of all six. And mm. so anyway, it was really cool to realize through the process I can shift out and push away those negative pointless worries that repeat themselves. And I can focus on the ideas that come when I ask myself, what, what is the, you know, what are the things that bring you joy and focus on those things. And, um, it helps with my stress. And this is something I didn't have to worry about. I know I was probably feeling all these things, but when you're perfectly healthy, Mm -hmm. You can handle a lot. And when things start falling apart, you need to be more aware of how these things are affecting your whole body makeup. So anyway, long story short, there's a lot you can do with thought control. Meditation does help. I think that and scripture study and prayer all work together and um, can serve the same purpose. And it's a way to receive revelation because you're quieting a lot of the noise. So mm -hmm. that's just an exercise I did this week that helped me recognize I can do more things with my children and feel that joy um, and have that be more constant in my life. And I thought I was already doing things with the children, but I realized it's a blessing. There's so many more things I could do. And I thought in that instant of little, I don't know, just personal things that the kids would have liked that I did or done, or I would have enjoyed with them. So. Mm. Oh, I love that. Now, do you use a specific app when you meditate or what do you use? We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have more lessons, tips, and things you can apply to your life. Stay tuned. 
How many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic, crazy, and completely awful compared to the norm? What if I were to tell you, you are normal for you? I'm so excited to tell you about my book, Normal For Me, Learning to Love and Accept Life's Detours with God's Help. This book took me 10 years to write, and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours, including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. In this book, I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I talk about being a zombie mom, living in survival mode, learning true faith, and how I debunked the myth that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Normal For Me also includes a bonus diagnosis survival guide at the very end of the book, in which I share 12 tips to survive and thrive in tough times. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your copy of Normal For Me today on Amazon or on my website, TamaraKAnderson.com. Now, do you use a specific app when you meditate or what do you use? Um, I, I have never found one that I would just wholeheartedly recommend across the board. I love them all. They're great. I've dabbled here and there. I don't like to pay for this kind of thing. <laughs> so I think <laughs> right? it's not very fair, I guess, for people who spend time and energy creating product. But I have a specific meditation need also. I don't, I like the ones that focus me towards God that don't ignore guilt and that don't ignore areas to improve. I don't like criticizing myself, but I welcome change. I welcome repentance. So I have very specific needs and I haven't found an app that like caters to my belief in the gospel as well as everything else. But mm. this one, what was it? I don't remember. That's okay. That's okay. I was just curious, but I, I, I love, and I'd love to pull on a couple of those things that, that you talked about first, when you were in the hospital and you couldn't think clearly, mm -hmm. I love that you text your husband and said, I need you to be my prayer. You know what I mean? Um, often we hit points in life where we need other people's help. And it's, I love that you were able to reach out to your husband then, and then asked your family for prayers as you were getting ready for the wedding and still just physically not feeling a hundred percent. And your stress levels were, your cortisol was super high. And, and so I love just the idea and the reminder that we're not on this journey alone. Not only do we have God on our side, but God puts people in our path that love us mm -hmm. and that are so willing to reach out and help us and pray for us if we're willing to ask. And I think sometimes it it almost takes swallowing your pride to say, can I get some prayers? You know what I mean? It's true. <laughs> it's so true. Yes. You know? Yeah. So I loved that. I loved how, how you talk about giving yourself uh, space and acknowledging the thoughts to that pop in while you're meditating and then dismiss them and focusing on joy and being grateful for the people that you have in your life because often if we really pause and think about the people who bring us most joy it's family yeah family or super close friends and our interactions with them are the most meaningful right that that's what that's that's what matters most you know what i mean it's true. And, and they help too, because they live with you on a day-to-day -day basis. And I, mm -hmm. I have some sons 
well, the one I'm thinking of is actually on his mission right now, but he would say, you know, just in a normal day-to-day experience, mom, you're feeling stressed. You know, like what an odd thing for my 17 year old boy to say, right? But obviously he was feeling the reactions to my stress, right? So mm-hmm. he would say it and he would name it. And I would, I would recognize you're right. I am feeling stressed. And then recognizing that naming what you're feeling and expressing it actually helps you manage it. And I thought that was very intuitive of him, but I think family can help with that. And mm-hmm. me telling my family, I am feeling these things. If I have a reaction to something going on, like I get really scared or worried about something, you know, this is why I'm feeling that way. Can you guys help me understand, you know, mom, this Mm -hmm. is what you're doing or, or recognize it's not you, you know, or I don't know. It's an interesting communication exercise because I think a lot of it is just recognizing what's going on inside us and Mm -hmm. then reaching out to others and then telling them, what's what you're feeling and then they can help in what ways they can. Mm-hmm. I think it helps everybody become more emotionally aware. And I'm not an expert on any of these things. It's just been a very interesting interesting journey um mm-hmm. to just not feel totally con- in control. You know, within the course of a day, I would say I would feel like I guess maybe teenagers feel like this all the time. <laughs> With their hormones going all over the place. Whoa. Yes. yes. It's You've gotten so, to go through your teens again. Lucky. So joy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so different. But um, but yes, yeah, so in the course of endocrinology visits and stuff, I feel like I'm leveling out and it's a lot better. And I can feel a difference, but really and truly, it's been almost a year, really, of slow progress. So it's just one of those things that um I might deal with for a long time. I have you know, even I now understand social anxiety and I would, I'm a shy person, but I'm extroverted. So I would go to people for my, my love needs. You know, Mm -hmm. I need to be filled with the people, even though I was shy, I would find ways to still connect, but I understand now how it can be scary. And I never felt scary before only just maybe shy or timid. And now I feel fear sometimes about social situations. So I have such an understanding of all my awesome introverted friends and my, and my more shy friends and the, you know, understanding that, that there's just a little bit of care that can be taken for somebody who is maybe tender and everybody puts on a great face, but it's true that inside there's a lot of turmoil and probably just about everybody that we see. So it's interesting um, what I've learned, um, and through the the empathy side of things too, the um, worry that happens when someone in the family is is hurt or sick or having trouble. Just the people that have reached out to my kids and my husband when I was in the hospital, and all of that I think helps everybody feel comforted and like, oh, this is normal, everything's going to be fine, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so you're right. The people around us matter and we can be that person. And I um, have gained a lot of empathy in that way. Um, and and just to know that there are sometimes our, our normal answers of just pray or just read your scriptures or the spirit will help you um, don't always work in the way that people wish they would. And mm-hmm. so saying keep going even though you're not seeing a response right away or push through or the new understanding of endure to the end or god will reach you but it might be in a way you're not expecting or look for the joy and see the miracles that aren't always 
the cookie cutter versions of them. They're unique mm -hmm. to you. So there's a lot of different shifts in language that I might use, um, understanding what it felt like to just not have that brain power to be able to even like formulate a full sentence. <laughs> so yeah. No, and and I love I love that you brought this up because I think sometimes people are like, well, I've been trying, I've been trying to do those things, and I'm just not feeling it. You know what I mean? I'm I, I like you said, I, it's not working for me right now. And I think the interesting thing is then that you have learned to shift and that you got the download. Look for the joy. This is your new assignment. You know. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. I see you're trying. Yes, I see you're doing your best to keep going, even in this new normal. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Yeah. And here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on finding joy. And it's interesting how God gave you the exact prescription of what you needed right then, you know? And it's going to be different for somebody else. You know, here's what you need to do. For me, when my kids were diagnosed with autism, God had to teach me, this is now normal for you. You know, quit comparing yourself to everybody else. And that was the answer I needed right then because I was so busy bemoaning my fate and looking at everybody else's normal family. So it's interesting that God will give us that little whisper of inspiration. Here's your answer. It may not be what you expected and it may not have come in the way you wanted it to come, but try this. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and some things you can't fix. Mm -mm. And I think that that is also really valuable information. And I think it, you, you try stubbornly to fix things first. Yes. Then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that bit about submitting, mm. yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I, it's like, God, I know you have the power to fix me right now, right? Yeah. Why won't you do it? And, and, and I'm sure God's looking down the years a bit to the Jen Geigel Johnson 10 years from now and says, because of this, you will become more compassionate, more patient, more loving, more understanding. You'll, and I'm sure those themes will probably bleed out into your books. Do you know what I mean? The, the lessons you've learned, because every author I've met can't help but let those lessons percolate into their writing. You oh, know? for sure. For sure. The idea of an author voice and um, it doesn't matter what genre you're writing, nonfiction or fiction, um, it's like your fingerprint on your work. And it um, a really expert reader can see it. Um, and depending on how strong your voice is, as we, the more we write, I think the stronger voice we, we learn. And it's hard to describe what that actually means because I could write a thriller and I could write a sweet Hallmark romance, Hallmark um, romance, and it would be totally different genre and it would have a different feel, but still there's me in there. And mm -hmm. that's my voice. That's my fingerprint on there. But, and that comes from accumulated life experience. So in some ways, I'm really grateful I started this author journey a little later than some of my friends have. I've, I have friends who started writing straight out of college, and mm. they're so young and energetic. <laughs> <laughs> I am not young as they are, but uh -huh. I am grateful for the life experience that I have. Um, and this adds to it. I think you're right. There's a lot more to offer when we experience you know, the different trials of life. I often say the you can't really measure the value of someone's faith or the value of someone's empathy or their um, learned love 
because it comes through life experience and it's it's precious and it's treasured and it just comes you know you if you consider all that someone has learned through a really heart-wrenching hard time um that's the price that was paid for the faith that they gained on the other side and i can admire it and i can't be gifted it i can mm -hmm. learn it and it's really the purpose of our whole being here Mm. And our most treasured thing that we leave with is the person that we've become. Mm -hmm. And so it's just that that brilliant heart or the good faith or the learned compassion or whatever it is we accumulate here on this earth. Those are the things that we become. And that's my my treasured thing. You know, I'm working on being something. Problem is we digress. Like oh. really, I'm that much better now than I was when I was 20. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Two steps forward, one step back, right? <laughs> yes, it's true. And I guess through that we learn. I don't know. It's crazy to me that God sends children to imperfect people. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be in trouble if he didn't. <laughs> well, that's true. Good point. None yeah. of us would have kids. None no. of us would be here, right? No, we would so. not. We wouldn't. So I guess it's just the plan, but it's so, it's interesting. It's a journey. It is definitely a journey. And one of the things that I've been thinking about, how you said that you have gained empathy, I've been thinking about how that kind of relates to Jesus Christ and how he suffered for each of us on the cross and in Gethsemane. And he has perfect empathy for each of us. And, and, and what you experienced kind of gave you just a tiny sip of a taste of the love and empathy the Savior has for each of us, his children. You know, that, that he sees you and he sees me and he sees every person who's listening to this podcast and every person around the world in an empathetic role because he's their Savior. And so, as we go through life experiences and develop empathy for other people, don't forget that the Savior has that same empathy for you. So awesome. <laughs> it really is so great. And I feel like um, that reminds me in an effort to understand others and to feel empathy for them, it really helps to know their story and mm -hmm. um, understand where they're coming from you know, just the power of a story is just really Im important. And what's cool about the Savior's empathy is his is emboldened because he knows all of our stories. Mm -hmm. And so as we try to emulate him and to learn to love and to have that charity, just taking the time to learn and listen and um, hear what someone's saying is powerful. And I think that learning people's stories is what helps gift us a little bit with more of that empathy. Whether or not we actually experience it ourselves, we can experience through others a lot of things. That's why I love fiction. You can experience all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff through a story that you don't ever have to experience on your own. And your brain registers it as, as some kind of experience. Your brain reacts when you're mm -hmm. reading. So I feel like it's really useful as a just an exercise in empathy, but um, experience it also helps. But I do feel like he has that perfect knowledge. And it's interesting, um, you asked what my favorite Bible verse is. I don't know if now Yeah, no, I, I was just gonna get to that. Tell me your favorite Bible verse, please. But it leads right into this. So I have a, I have a lot of favorite Bible verses, but I teach a, a seminary class. So I teach Old Testament right now. And I so I'm really deep into Old Testament. And lately with the whole study we've been doing about Joseph in Egypt and all the trials he went through, 
I just love that in Genesis 39, repeated twice is, and the Lord was with Joseph. Mm -hmm. That sounds so simple, but if you consider his life, so he's sold into slavery and it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And then he gets put into prison and it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And I, um, it's powerful for so many reasons, but to me, he was, it, it was like, you could see an example of the Lord carrying someone in the midst of a trial, you know, lightning where he could helping him where he, where he did and helping Joseph to have the influence he needed to have, even when at a surface level, it was terrible. Like, uh -huh. you know, like he had, he was lonely and he had no one and he was sold by his family and probably his dad thought he was dead. I mean, really and truly a lot was going wrong. But just that phrase, and the Lord was with Joseph, um, says so much because you can't see it at all until the next, in the later on in the verse, when he's like, he rose to the top of the household, or, mm -hmm. you know, he was able to be the top prison guard. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> talk about a positive attitude. Like, oh, you're in right. jail, but you get to be the top prison guard. <laughs> <laughs> but I, anyway, it's powerful to me lately because I just thought, yes the Lord is with you. And I really feel like he's in the little details of our life and he will reach out to us in the way we understand. And one of the things I think we all want to do is feel like we're making a difference. We're doing what the Lord sent us here to do. We're somehow make, you know, making an imprint somewhere doing what we're supposed to do. And I think if you look at Joseph and the example that he was, you can see how the Lord is with you even when you can't feel him like me in the hospital, even when in Joseph's still in prison or he's still a slave, um, he, the Lord helped him. And eventually we saw the miracles. We mm -hmm. saw why he did all those things. And it, you know, years, years later, years, decades. So I feel yeah. like that's something to remember that the Lord is with you. And just like he was with Joseph and there's a purpose and it may not show up for a long time and that's okay. Cause that's, yeah. that's just sometimes the way that he works. So mm. that's why that's my late, my latest favorite Bible verse. So no, I love that. And I love, I love that you've been able to find comfort in that in your journey, right? Mm. Yeah. That God is with you on your journey. Now, Jen, there's going to be people who are listening to us talk and they, they're like, oh, please tell me where I can find Jen and her books. So where can we connect with you? Where can we find more about your books? Please, please, please share. Oh, thank you. I love to share this information. Um, <laughs> I, if you can spell my maiden name, you can pretty much find me anywhere. It's the beauty of my odd name. So Jen Geigel Johnson. And if you just G-E-I-G-L-E, -E, that's my website jengeigeljohnson.com. Um, from there, you can find me on Amazon. If you just type in, even if you spell it wrong, Amazon will take you right to me. So Jen <laughs> um, I have, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 or so titles at a des any of the Deseret Books or Siegel Bookstores. If you were looking for my actual book product on a shelf um, and online in their stores, um, how else? Oh, I'm on social media all over the place. So yes, she is. And she has some really awesome reels. So you got to go <laughs> check them out. I'll be sure to make sure we link Jen and her website and her social media profile in the show notes of today's episode. But Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for sharing your journey and for reminding us to look for kindness and that God is with us through 
thick and through thin. It was such a pleasure to be here. Tamara, you're an inspiration to me, and I hope you keep doing what you're doing. I think you're making a difference in this good world, bringing hope to all of us. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope. I know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time, and I hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast. If you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.